even in our hearts. God, we enter your courts with praise. Lord, I thank you again today, God. You are the great I am the way. You are the truth. You are the life. You are the Lord Jesus. And God, I praise you again this morning, Lord. There is none like you, God. I truly appreciate you, God, for all that you do, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Upon all the earth, O God. God, I need you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I will bless your glorious name, Lord. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be exalted, Lord. Lord, I lift my voice, my praises unto you again this morning. Lord, I exalt thee, O Lord, my God, for great is thy faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, again this morning, Lord Jesus, for your guidance and directions. God, I pray right now, Lord, and I ask you, Lord God, to go over our cities and our nations, oh God, and our country today. God, I truly appreciate you this morning, Jesus. I ask you to go into every household, Lord, again this morning. I ask you, dear God, again today that you would bind this virus uh, that is spreading across our land and across the, the world, oh God. I know there's nothing impossible for you to do, God. I know, God, that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. Uh, Father, you tell us to call upon you in the time of trouble, and you will hear us and deliver us, and we will glorify your name. God, we will glorify you. We will praise you, O oh God, because you are my light and my salvation. You are the strength of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, you said, and the enemies come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and they fall. You said, though a host should encamp against me, and this my heart would not fear. You said, the war shall rise against me, and this I will be confident. Uh, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, uh, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble you will hide me in your pavilion, uh, and the secret of your tabernacle you will hide me. You will set me on a rock, and now shall my head be lifted high, above mine enemies round about me. Coronavirus is not higher than the name of God. You are the great rock, O oh God. And I know you will set your people higher. I know you will lift your people up, O oh God, today. I know, God, you will remove all fear, all doubt, all uncertainty. God, in you we live, we move, we have our beings, O oh God. I plead your blood over this nation. I plead your blood upon the people today. God, I called to you. Oh, God, I thank you again today, Lord, for another opportunity to come into your presence, oh, God, to feast on your manna again this morning, oh, God. We know, God, there's nothing hidden from you. Your word tells me that the eye of the Lord run to and fro to show yourself strong, oh, God, upon all them that love you. Oh, Lord, I thank you 
that we have a God who with his angels watches over us. Uh, a God who with his angels will put our enemy beneath our feet. Uh, a God who is with us when we're sick and when we're feeling well. And you cannot fail, oh God. Uh, you're greater than coronavirus. You're greater than any disease, oh Lord. Uh, my trust is in you. Uh, as your prophet David says, some trust in chariots uh, and some trust in horses. Uh, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Uh, they are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and we will stand upright. Uh, let, hear, let the king hear us uh, when we call, oh God. Uh, hear from heaven today, God. Uh, I praise you, Lord, for this opportunity in Jesus' name. I'm saying by and by, well, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, we will tell the story how we overcome, and we'll understand it better by and by, my Lord. Singing by and by, well, when the morning and come when all the saints of God are gathering home we will tell the story how we overcome and we'll understand it better by and by my Lord trials dark on every hand and we cannot understand all the ways that God will lead us to that blessed said promised land but he'll guide us with his eye and we'll follow till we die we will understand it better by and by my lord singing by and by well when the morning comes when all the saints of God are gathering home, we will tell the story how we overcome. We will understand it better by and by, my Lord. We are often destitute of the things that life demands, wants of shelter and of food. Thirsty hills and barren land, but we're trusting in the Lord, and according to his word, we will understand it better by and by, my Lord. Singing by and by, well, when the morning come, when all the saints of God are gathering home, we will tell the story how we overcome and we'll understand it better by and by my lord temptation hidden snares often take us unawares and our hearts are made to bleed for each thoughtless word of deed and we wonder why the test when we try to do our best we will understand it better by and by my lord singing by and by well when the morning come when all the saints of God are gathering home 
We will tell the story of how we overcome and we'll understand it better by and by, my Lord. Singing by and by, well, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathering home, we will tell the story of how we overcome and we'll understand it better by and by my lord thank you jesus oh thank you jesus amen god bless you this morning it is so good to be in the house of the lord again today maybe you're a home today amen we want you to know that god is a great god god is everlasting amen he changeth not and so therefore we can put our trust in him amen and we can hold to his god's word amen i want to encourage you this morning uh to start with from the book of second chronicles chapter 7 verse 12 uh, through verse 14 this morning, a familiar passage of Scripture. You probably heard it time and time again. And this is when Solomon had dedicated the temple to the Lord, and Solomon had prayed to God, and he had sought God, amen, for his wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And the Lord appeared to Solomon, amen, by night, the Bible says in verse 12, and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive them of their sins and will heal the land. What a promise. What a promise. Amen. And the Bible lets us know that the promises of God are yea and amen. And the Bible tells us uh, in the book of Hebrews, uh, when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he patiently endured, he received the promise. Amen. We as children of God right now in this coronavirus situation that are sweeping the world, God says, Uh, If I send pestilence, which is a disease, uh, upon the earth, amen, he says, if my people, which are called by my name, uh, will humble themselves uh, and pray and seek my face uh, and turn from their wicked ways, uh, that I will hear from heaven, uh, I will forgive them of their sins, and I will heal the land. So if I can encourage you in any way, shape, form, or fashion today, I'm asking everyone under the sound of my voice uh, that we would humble ourselves, uh, that we would pray and seek God uh, on behalf of our nation, on behalf of our loved ones, on behalf of the people around the world, amen, that God will heal the land. uh, And we stand fast and wait uh, and allow God to answer from heaven, amen. And I believe he will answer us, amen, in his time. Because the Bible tells me in the book of Ecclesiastes that God makes all things beautiful 
It is time. Amen. And as his children, we don't have to fret. We don't have to fear. Amen. The Bible tells us, fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So we don't want to fear. We don't want to be faithless. Amen. It's times like this uh, that Thomas Paine says that these are the times uh, that try men's souls. These are the times uh, that we are going to be put to the test. Amen. And so, therefore, we can stand strong because our faith is in God and not in man. Amen. So, we want to continue to allow God to work. The Bible tells me that he'll work if we let him. So, I want to let God work. I'm going to just pray. I'm going to just present my needs and your needs and our supplications to the Lord. And I'm going to stand back. For the Bible says, wait upon the Lord, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. So I'm just going to wait on God and see what he's going to do. I'm going to continue to do what I know to do. That's pray, worship, praise. Amen. I'm going to be like Job. I'm going to set it up before the situations or problems even come so that way I am ready when God comes. Amen. Praise God. But we want to get right into our lesson this morning again. We've been talking about the epistles of John. And and we have been going through these, these lessons. And it's been so good to, to see what God is opening up to our hearts and to our minds. Amen. Because a lot of times we don't study the epistles like we do some of the other books. So, we're walking, no matter how long God may take us to get through uh, these books of the epistles uh, this year, amen, we're going to walk it slowly so that we get an understanding. The Bible tells us that precepts must be upon precepts and line upon line and here a little and there a little. And so we want to understand God's words and know what God is trying to show us. And we have already seen that John... Uh, tell us four purposes or four reasons why he has written, amen, this epistle to the church, amen. Number one, John says, is the reason that he has written this epistle to the church was, number one, to add joy unto us, amen, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So he says, I want to add joy to you. He wants to add to your joy. See, with the Holy Ghost came joy. Amen. It came. That's why the Bible says in Galatians 5, the, lo- the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. So joy came with the Holy Ghost. So John is said, I want to add to your joy. In other words, I want to help your joy to be running over. I want you to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. He wants your joy to be stronger and stronger in the Lord. Number two, he says he wrote this epistle to us to guard us against sin. Because sin is always going to be rampant. Sin is always going to be prevalent. Sin is always going to be around us. And so John says, I've written this epistle to you to guard you against sin. In other words, I want to try to show you and help you how to put on the whole armor of God so that you can be protected from the sin of this world and the things that Satan is going to be throwing at us. So he wants to guard us against sin. The third reason, John says, that he's written this epistle to us is to guard us against false teachers. 
Now, Jesus had already told them that in the last days, false teachers would come. He says, many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. It's no difference today. Amen. And culture change in the way that this 21st culture is changing. We see that there are many false teachers. Amen. But when you look back through the Apostle Paul's writing, even to the church, amen, at Ephesus, he said that God had given some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to the fullness of the statues of Christ that would be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine where they lie and wait with cunning craftiness to deceive. But he's given us those ministries so we can grow up into Christ. He told the church at Colossae uh, in Second Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. He says, Beware, lest in any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. For in him dwell all the fullness uh, of the Godhead bodily, and we're complete in him which is the head of all principalities and powers. So he wants to guard us, uh, warn us against false teachers uh, that will come in this last days. Even Jude uh, in his epistle would tell us that many false teachers had gone out from among them. Amen. So we've got to be aware. Jude says uh, they went out from us because they was not of us. And John repeats the same thing again in this epistle about false teachers. So there are many false teachers in the last days. And so we have to be aware of that uh, so that we prepare ourselves to guard ourselves against those that goes against uh, the doctrine and the teachings of the apostles and Jesus Christ. And the fourth reason, John says, that he has written to us this epistle is to strengthen our faith in Christ and to assure us of eternal life. What a promise. To strengthen our faith in Jesus Christ. We know that faith comes by hearing, and it comes by hearing the Word of God. So, so John said, I want to strengthen your faith. See, God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, Chapter Second uh, Peter uh, chapter one verse five through eleven. He says we need to add to our faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. He says if these things be in you and abound, they make that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So he wants to strengthen our faith. I hear people say all the time, I don't have faith. Uh, I have weak faith. Uh, I, I, my faith shouldn't be where it should be. Well, John says, I want to strengthen that. He says, I want to fix that for you. I'm going to give you something to help you to ensure that your faith is strong 
in the Lord so that when the winds and the waves and the currents and the things that seem so fierce start coming against you, you won't be shaken. You you won't be moved. Amen. As James says in James 1, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith will work patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you shall be perfect and entire, needing nothing. Amen. We've got to have strong faith in the Lord. We've got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, amen. And notice what John says. He wants to give us assurance of eternal life. Wow. What a promise. And so that's what we've been studying uh, this month and the last month, amen, as we walk through this epistle. Now, we want to pick up again today, amen, where we left off last week and First John chapter 3, First John chapter 3, and we want to start at verse 13, and we're going to read down through verse 15, and then we're going to talk about that, amen. John, 1 John 3, verse 15 through 13, excuse me, through verse 15. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer have eternal life abiding in him. Amen. Now, notice what John says here in this passage. He says, Marvel not, my brother, if the world hate you. See, you're not of the world if you're born again. See, we have been called out of the world. That's why Paul wrote at the church, to the church at Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor effeminates, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covet, nor unrighteous shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you've been washed, but you've been justified, but you've been sanctified in the name of the Lord God and by the Spirit of our God. See, we're no longer a part of the world. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, it is of the world. See, we have come out from the world. That's why holiness means separated from the world and set apart unto God. See, that's why Peter will tell us in 1 Peter 1, 16, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So we are of this world, but we are not, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. So we have to insulate ourselves from the world. So if you wonder why people in the world hate you, then you realize, John says, it's because they do not know God. You show me any person that say they know God and still had hatred in their heart, and I'll show you a liar. You show me any person who say they are born again and know God and still drink, still practice fornication, still practice adultery, cursing, lying, stealing, 
cheating, I will show you a liar. Because these things are not a God. They did not come with God. And God is no deceit, the Bible tells me. And he had no violence in himself. God is pure. God is holy. So if we say that we know him, John says, and do not what he says, we are liars. So we have to realize John is trying to strengthen us. He's trying to build our joy in Christ. He's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to show us truth from error. And see, so there's, there's certain things that will show that we have passed, the Bible says, from death to life. In other words, we, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, you who were dead and your trespasses and sins, have he quickened together with him. By grace are you saved. And it's not of works lest any man shall boast. It's a gift of God. You see, so if I say that I'm a Christian, if I say that I am born again, then I have gone from spiritual death to spiritual life. The death of the world to life. Eternal life in Jesus Christ. So there's certain things uh, that prove that I have passed. And one of those things is faith. Recognizable faith will show that we are passed from death unto life. Another thing is love of the brethren. Loving one another. Not having hatred in our hearts towards any. This shows that we have passed from death unto life. Amen. And so therefore, we need to realize if we don't sin, it is a Example in a showing that we have passed from death unto life. Now, let's look at Colossians chapter number three real quick here this morning. If you go in your Bibles with me this morning real quick to Colossians, the book of Colossians, New Testament, right after the book of Ephesians, uh, Philippians, excuse me, Philippians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter three, starting with verse one, Paul is trying to admonish the church of who they are since they have now become born again in Christ. Colossians 3. If you then, being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. That means power and authority. Right hand is always related to power and authority. All power in heaven and earth is given unto me, Jesus said. The right hand is always power. The senior person always walked on the right side. Power. Amen. He's seated at the right hand of authority. Set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. Remember what Jesus says? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasures are here in this world, that's where your heart is going to be. Jesus says, don't set it up here where rust and moth and thieves break in and steal and destroy. He said, set up your treasures in heaven because where your treasures is, that's where your heart is going to be. 
So set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Watch this. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. See, you're dead. You repented of your sin. Repentance is a form of dying to the things of this world. So Paul says you're dead. You're dead to the things of this world. You're supposed to be dead to the things of this world. And your life is hid in Christ Jesus. You belong to Jesus now. And God doesn't die. He's alive. So you're supposed to be hid in Christ. He's supposed to be, as that old song says, wrapped up, tangled up, tied all up in Jesus. Amen. Wrapped up, tangled all up in the Lord. For when Christ, verse 4, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we appear with him in glory. Now, this is why Paul told the church at Thessalonica, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those of us shall remain, shall be caught up to be with the Lord in the air. So comfort one another, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We're going to be with God. We're going to reign with Him. We're going to live with Him forever and ever. Amen. We're looking for His appearing. And John says, if you're looking for His appearing, Him and Peter, they says, make sure that you be found of Him. And that's why Peter says in Second Peter chapter 3, he says, you know these things. He says, you know this earth is going to pass away, and you're looking for a new heaven, and you're looking for a new earth. He says, so therefore, because you're looking for it, he says, make sure that you be found of it. In other words, you be ready when God comes back. When Jesus comes back, as the angel told the apostles, this same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven shall come back and lack matter as you've seen him go into heaven. So when Jesus appears in the cloud, you want to be ready. You don't want to be sinning. You don't want to be out there partying, doing the electric slide and the boogaloo and the hoot to do. You want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. So Paul says here in the fifth verse, since you're getting ready for this, he says, mortify or kill, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication. Get having sex without being married out of your life. Uncleanliness. Everything that goes against God's word, get it out of your life. Inordinate affections. Evil concupiscence. And covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake... The wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And the which you also walk sometimes when you were living in them. See, this is how we used to live. Notice. He says, you got to mortify. You got to get this junk out of your life. This is how you used to live before you came to know Jesus Christ. So that's the old man. That's the old ways of living. But if I say I'm a Christian, if I say I'm a born again, now he goes here. He says, now, you put also off all these. Get rid of anger. Get rid of wrath, 
stronging our malice, trying to get even, trying to hurt other people, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Those little white lies are lies. Seeing that you put off all the old man with his deeds. <coughs> Excuse me. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, <coughs> circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a qual against any even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, notice, above everything that he has just mentioned, Paul says, put on charity. Put on love, which is the bond, the superglue of perfectness. Love will bind you to Christ. Amen. It will bind you to one another. And so this is one of the things that shows that we have gone from death to life is how we love each other. It's amazing what love will produce in a person's life. It's amazing when people love others the way God's word tells us to love others, what will transpire and what will happen. James tell us, amen, notice James now, James chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 9. James says, if you fulfill the royal law, now notice he calls it the royal law, and so if something is a royal law, that means it has been given by a king. That means it belongs to someone that's sovereign or someone that's high up. And we know the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the King of kings, uh, and he's the Lord of lords. He's the God of the old. That's why Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, 16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. He preached unto the Gentiles. He believed on in the world, and he was received back up into glory. So the law, the Bible says, was given by Moses. In other words, Moses brought the law down from the mountain of God to the people. But grace and truth uh, came by Jesus Christ. So the law, James says, uh, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect unto persons... You commit sin and are convinced of the law that you're a sinner or transgressor. See, and so notice what James is trying to get us to see. He says, if you're doing what God's Word says about loving one another, because you see the Ten Commandments, the first four was your relationship 
to God. And that's why Moses told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you must love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words I command you this day must be hidden in your heart, and you must teach them diligently unto your children. And you must talk about them when you're in your house, when you're in the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, binded as signs upon your hands, frontless in front of your eyes, on your doorposts, and on your gateposts. And he says, no matter when you come into the land, he says, make sure that you don't forget God. See, in other words, God loves us. The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, so God loves us. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians uh, 2 that God loved us before we ever loved him. Amen. So those first four uh, verses, our, our laws, our commandments, is our relationship to God. We are to love God above everything else. And the other six is to love the people that is around us, our neighbor. You remember when the lawyer asked Jesus who was his neighbor, and Jesus told the story about the Good Samaritan. A man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He felt among thieves. They robbed him and beat him and wounded him and left him half dead. A priest came by, passed on the other side. A Levite came by and passed on the other side. But a good Samaritan came by. He healed him, not healed him, but he binded him up and poured wine and oil in his wounds, put him on his donkey, took him to a hotel, took care of him, paid his bill, and told the innkeeper, Amen, if it costs you any more, when I come back, I'll pay it. And Jesus asked the lawyer, who was his neighbor? He says, well, I suppose the one that did good. He says, right, go do likewise. See, love will present you as God's children. It will show that you have gone from death to life. See, you've got to love one another. So James says, if we fulfill that law, then what? You, if you fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, I shall love neighbors, you're doing right. You're doing well. Because that's what God desires. He says, but if you're not, he says, you're sinning. See, he says, you're sinning if you're not doing good. You're not doing right. That's why James would say in James 4, 17, therefore to him that know to do good and do it not, to him is sin. Notice. If I know to do good, and I don't, I'm a sinner. That's tough, but it's tight, but it's right here. Because, see, in God is no sin at all. So if I say I've passed from death to life in Jesus Christ, then, hey, I've got to learn how to do right. Because John has already told us in 1 John chapter 3 that in this, notice verse 10 in 1 John chapter 10, verse uh, 3, verse, uh, 1 John 3, 10. Notice what John says here. He says, in this, the children of God is manifested and the children of the devil. 
Whosoever does not righteousness is not of God, nor there he that loveth not his brother. So if you don't do right and you don't love your brother, you don't belong to God. You have not passed from death to life. Hear me. You have not passed from death to life because life, eternal life, is in Jesus Christ. And you remember what John said, the fourth reason was he's come to strengthen our faith and to assure us of eternal life. So he's trying to wake us up, brothers and sisters. He's trying to wake us up. He's trying to hit us upon our head. It's kind of like this coronavirus is waking people up. Amen. He's letting people realize and see that The things of this world is going to pass away. It's letting people see that they got caught by surprise. The same way you, many of you, may have gotten caught by surprise not having toilet paper, not having hand sanitizer, not having food in your house. You got caught by surprise when over 2,000 years ago, God told you that pestilence was coming upon the earth. And you got caught by surprise. God forbid, my brothers and sisters, if you miss heaven. Because God has already told us when Jesus ascended, the angels of the Lord told us this same Jesus that you see go up into heaven is coming back in like manner as you've seen him go up. Amen. And Jesus told Uh, John and Philip, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe also in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house is many mansions. If it was not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you shall be also. So God is saying, look, I'm going to a place for you, and I'm coming back. He didn't tell me when he was coming back. Jesus says, when am I going to find faith on the earth when I come back? That's why he said in the parable in Luke 18, 1, I would that men would pray and not sink, or faint. Then he tells the story about the unjust judge and the woman that constantly keep going to the unjust judge, asking him to avenge her of her adversaries. And Jesus says, after the unjust judge avenged her, he says, notice what the unjust judge says. He says, will I find faith on earth when I return again? Is your faith, my brothers and sisters, still going to be just as strong and Jesus Christ now as it was then? Or are you going to let the coronavirus and pestilence and earthquakes and diverse places uh, cause you to lose your faith and lose your trust? Uh, 
But John says, no. He says, what I'm trying to do, John says, uh, is I'm trying to strengthen your faith uh, and give you assurance uh, of eternal life. Uh, In other words, John says, I want to show you how to be ready for the coming of Jesus uh, and to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. He says, in this uh, is manifested the children of God and the children of the devil. He that doeth not righteousness is not of God, nor he that loveth not his brother. You got to love one another, Jesus says, as I have loved you. Jesus says in John thirteen thirty five, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Amen. If you don't love another... If you don't love other people, if you got prejudice in your heart, I don't care if you're white, black, blue, green, orange, brown, purple. I don't care what nation, kindred, tongue, language, where you was born or whatever. If you say that you are been born again, if you say you're a Christian, if you say you love God and you have prejudice against your heart because of somebody that is a different race than you, a different color than you, you might as well cancel Christmas and prepare to burn in eternal hell unless you repent of your sins and come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. Get ready for the coming of the Lord. Draw it nigh. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I want to encourage you, amen, to stay the course. We're going to be studying uh, the, the remainder of this lesson as the Lord continues. Amen. And we're going to take a small break right now, and we're going to get ready to come back in about 15 minutes for our evangelistic portion of the service at 1030. If you're on the East Coast, amen. Then it'll be eleven thirty. Praise God uh, to come, and then uh, uh, if you're out west, it'll be nine thirty. Amen. God bless you.